Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. Uh, thank you for listening on in. Um, I know it's it's been probably about a month or two since we've recorded. Probably about a month. I think for, we for us it has. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Christmas one. But for y'all, y'all, y'all saw one out um, the day before yesterday. Right. So, uh, but how are you doing today, Pastor? Eric? I'm good. Thank you so much, Will. I appreciate you meeting back together, and uh, thanks for coming up with the next uh, seg- section that we can work on together. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So as a Pastor Eric said, we're starting a new section today. Um, if you have missed kind of the last couple of episodes, we've been going through false gospels in Auburn and kind of, you know, how to see that and how to react to that and, and what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we're, we're completely changing topics. Um, I think we, we beat that one uh, <laughs> like a dead horse. So uh, we're changing topics to... Uh, the fruit of the spirit. What are the fruit of the spirit? And then we'll, so today will kind of be an introductory in going through the first fruit of the spirit, love, and we'll kind of start going through the other fruits of the spirits as we progress um, with the episodes. Um, yeah, but Pastor Zellner, what like what is the fruit of the spirit? Sure. Yeah, I think it's probably helpful just to kind of begin with the context of of uh, where that comes from and um, what does it mean. Um, Galatians chapter five is when, when somebody talks about the fruit of the spirit, they're talking about the the last part of Galatians chapter five, where it um, where Paul gives what is kind of a what you what the ancient people would have called a virtue list, a list of virtues. And um, I, I mentioned to you offline that the it was very common in the ancient world for people to, uh, especially philosophers in uh, Hellenistic Greek thought, to to have lists of virtues, and these were all qualities of character to be drummed up or to be worked up within the individual person. Um, and, of course, the Christian approach to virtues is is just vastly different. And so where this lands in the context of Galatians 5 is really the whole book of Galatians is about making sure you do not uh, sacrifice the gospel by adding anything else to it. And so Galatians uh, 1, 2, 3 is a is a restatement of the true gospel, Jesus Christ. Salvation is found simply by faith in Him, by trusting in Him for uh, a righteousness that is not our own. And then uh, he, you can get the context of the book. You can tell that people are trying to add circumcision uh, as an outward mark or sign uh, to in a way to uh, mark themselves or improve themselves and add that Old Testament law into this as if that would make them more acceptable to God. All of those things are, um, it's just a wrestling in the first three chapters about uh, the gospel. And then at chapter four, having explained the gospel, Paul begins to say, look, if you've, ha- if you've got Christ, then you are actually a son of God. And he says, um, he goes on to talk about what it means to be a son of the living God. And and because the Spirit dwells in us, that, that Holy Spirit is the very thing that testifies to our sonship. Um, 
being in him as sons of God. And and then you've got a, a little bit in chapter five, I mean, chapter four, a little bit of a, uh, I've been concerned for you as as people. But then he gives this example of Hagar and Sarah. And, the, and what he's doing there is he's talking about, he's comparing what it would be like to live under the law uh, as slavery, and then what it's like to live under promise, under um, uh, through the promise, like as Sarah was the uh, the seed, the woman through whom God delivered the promise to Abraham for a son. And in saying that, that transitions his thinking into, let's be really clear: Christ has set you free from the works of the law, uh, and so by by setting you free, it is it is that Holy Spirit dwelling in you that you now begin to learn what it means to live as a uh, person who is not enslaved as the old man was enslaved, but is now a new creation. And so all of those things are designed to, he, he, he makes the contrast in chapter five between what it looks like to live in slavery is who you used to be before Christ and then who you are in Christ and the kinds of fruits that would be produced on a tree um, that has been uh, transplanted, you might say, by uh, Christ, and the Holy Spirit is uh, is now dwelling in you. So uh, that's the context of of chapter five. That idea of a virtue list is um, is helpful, so that you know. Okay, people were thinking and talking this way in the ancient world. Uh, I think Benjamin Franklin did a virtue list and and uh, sought in one of his writings to try to uh, improve his virtues and. In the end of Franklin's list and uh, keeping careful record, he uh, writes that it was a terrible waste, and he he didn't he never was actually able to do anything <laughs> of real virtue. So um, I think that's what makes this uh, sufficiently different. The Christian view of a list of virtues is not uh, worked up from the flesh; it's actually uh, produced because the Holy Spirit. Uh, like life-giving water is flowing through the people of God, and therefore producing fruit on the um, on the tree. So, you had you had a um, a song, a, a hymn from Isaac Watts that I thought would be useful for us to use as a beginning point. Would you read that? Yeah, it's called it's it's from his hymn "Come, Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove," and I, and I believe it it's it's more towards the bottom. It says, "Dear Lord, and shall we ever lie at this poor dying rate?" Our love so faint, so cold to thee, and thine to us so great. Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening powers. Come shed abroad a Savior's love, and that shall kindle ours. Now you hear in that hymn, and this is what I thought was so helpful when you mentioned that earlier, Just you hear in that that, that by my flesh and by my nature uh, I will not pursue uh, love of God, and I will not live as one who's... Um, loving God. But it's a, it's a prayer uh, sung, asking the Holy Spirit to come and move within our heart so that God's love toward us would act in such a way that our hearts towards him are kindled towards a fire, which I think is so uh, fitting. And I, I wanted you to mention that because it, it helps us understand uh, what Paul means in this context of love. And so let me just, I'm just going to read the section if Galatians uh, 5 is where you find this, he first begins by saying uh, in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, and then he goes on to say you're not under the law. And then he gives a description, which you might call a list of negative uh, virtues, of of those things which naturally form in our flesh apart from the work of the Spirit. Uh, Philip Ryken, in one of his commentaries on Galatians, says there's a reason why the flesh produces such bad behavior. It's simply doing what comes naturally. And then he makes reference to Jesus's comments, you know, that a, that a tree that is good bears good fruit, a tree that is bad bears bad fruit. Um, and so what's helpful to know concerning this list, he goes on to talk about what are those marks, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and then he goes, and things like these. And you would go, well, haven't you already covered? I mean, like, it seems like it's such a massive list because our list for Christian virtues is actually very short. Um, I think it's somewhat humorous because that phrase and things like these reminds us there's almost no end to the kind of evil and foolishness that we will come up with in our flesh. Um, and so we are in our, in the old man before Christ, we're really flooded with uh, sin nature, which corrupts every part of us, right? It, there's, there's not, uh, any area of our life that's not touched in that list, and then it's somewhat laughable, uh, and things like these. I mean, because there's so many more, aren't there? Um, so anyway, I find that I find that to be a helpful introduction. Hopefully, it is for you as well. Then he turns, and he says, "The fruit of the spirit is love." Um, so in contrast, but the fruit of the spirit is love, and that that but tells us exactly what he said in the beginning. This is; these two are counter to one another and contrary to each other. Um, so I think one of the things that's helpful for us to remember is that as soon as he transitions to this concept of fruits of the spirit, we're now talking about um, something that can only be produced in a person who's been made alive in Christ. the uh, The struggle that I think so many of us have is that um, we often fail to live as though we are those who have been transformed from darkness to light uh, or from death to life. Um, J.I. Packer wrote a book called Keep in Step with the Spirit, which I I highly recommend. It's a great book, but it kind of talks about the way sanctification works in our own life, the way we grow Christian virtue uh, in our own lives. So let uh, from there, let's just talk about real quickly what it is when it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Um, would you read First John 4, I think we said verse 7. Yeah, yeah. would you read 7 through 12 for us? Yes, um, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love. Yeah, this is the right one, sorry. <laughs> Beloved, yeah, let right. us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. 
And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Mm. So the reason I wanted you to mention that is because it it does two things. Well, there's many things in that passage. But the number one thing it teaches us is that love is from God. And that the only way or the only reason that love would ever be manifest in us is because it has been poured into us by God who has done this profound work, uh, turning away his wrath and placing his love upon us. Um, And then all the, you know, we tend to approach lists of virtues as if they are, um, again, just like unbelievers might. I'm going to try to drum these things up within myself. I do think they need to be fanned into flame, but we have to recognize that the Spirit is at work within us. And so it is as much uh, continuing to kill the old sins of the flesh as it is to fanning into flame those new uh, areas of life. But one of the one of the things that you'll remember, 1 Corinthians 13, it's a great passage for a wedding, perhaps, uh, what love is. And when I preached that a number of months back, I I'm just convinced from 1 Corinthians 13 that it's really a descriptor of God's love for his people. And then he 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 then basically is teaching us that that as the one who is the great giver of love, then we turn and learn to give that to other people. Now faith, hope and love abide these three, but he says the greatest of these is love. Um so why why is Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, convinced that the greatest of these is love? And then why is John uh, convinced that in this is love, not that we have loved God, um, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins? Well, the reason that love is uh, is the greatest of these is because it is it, it fully and completely emanates from God towards us. And which is why the New Testament writers begin to use the word, uh, the Greek word agape or agape, um, to describe a self-giving love which is unique to the world. And so the, the New Testament writers, Paul and others, see this love as been having been poured into us in a, in a really profoundly overwhelming fashion so that we then turn and give that to others. Um, one of the things I wanted to read was from uh, John Stott, who points out this. He says, uh, love, joy, and peace. It's a triad of general Christian virtues, yet they seem primarily to concern our attitude towards God. For a Christian's first love is his love for God. His chief joy is his joy in God, and his deepest peace is his peace with God. So if we just break that down, uh, a Christian's first love is his love for God. John, uh, not John Stott, but John, the actual guy who wrote First John, is is saying that very same thing. Uh, if God so loved us, we ought to love other people. Um, and then he he points out how, and and to me, I think First John four twelve helps explain love as a virtue in First um, in Galatians five. Um, if love is the first. The fruit of the Spirit is love. John says, 1 John 4, 12, no one's ever seen God. If we love one another, 
uh, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Um, and so His His point is that by our capacity to enjoy and almost preach the gospel to ourselves, recognizing that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, we don't begin by trying to to produce that virtue in ourselves. We begin by recognizing that God has poured it into us. And because his Spirit dwells in us, then we begin to think, um, as John defines love, and that is um, as as a giving of oneself for the good of the other person which is precisely why 1 Corinthians 13, John 4, 1 John 4, uh, even this part in Galatians 5, it becomes something totally different, right? Love is not how I feel about another person. It is choosing to do uh, good and well for another person, and my feelings are in some ways secondary. We have the wonderful benefit of having known that though we were really pretty wretched, God decided to pour his love into us, even when we were the kind of people who were doing all of those negative virtues of, of Galatians 5. He's done something tremendous and kind. Um, what else? No, I was going to say, I think it's in Romans 5 where it says that, um, you know, a good man may, may die for someone or mm. um, a great man might even, but Christ came while we were still sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that I think that's such an important point. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Um, not that we had made ourselves lovely or anything like that. So then I think that you know if you if you consider that point, and how do we turn and do that for other people? Love then becomes an action uh, with or without someone having behavior or appearance um, or anything that draws us to them, right? I didn't have anything in and of myself, and yet God chose to draw near to me. Um, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, you know, it's a great, uh, it's a great discussion. This is uh, hopefully just a start. We're just beginning to try to scratch the surface on this, but it gives us a context and it gives us the way to think through that very first uh, fruit of the spirit of love. I think the last thing I'd mention here, Will, and then I'll, I'll close my mouth for a couple of weeks. Um, (laughs) And that is uh, when you, the older you get and the more you start evaluating where you are in life, I think it's really, uh, when you read a list like this, it's very convicting. It's very convicting. Do I, do I, as a 49-year-old man, possess qualities of character of love towards those around me uh, that I'm going to encounter, not just like generally and broadly at a distance, but in real close relationship with me? And then sometimes it's easy to be kind to those who are really close to us, but not very, uh, not those who show love to a next layer out and then the next layer out of people that we come in contact with. And I think all of our listeners have various uh, spheres in which we come in contact. Does the love of Christ compel me, um, having, having shown me such love, 
to then turn and love others in such a way that um, those who know me uh, can testify that God abides in that guy right there. That's what Paul, I mean, that's what John's saying in 1 John 4, 12. Yeah, and I think that's that would be important kind of as we continue to do this, that thought of does the love of God compel me? Mm. Um, I think it can be so easy for us to, and I think you hit on this a little bit, but to look at the fruit of the Spirit and think purely practical of, okay, mm. how can I be, how can I have more self-control? Mm-hmm. How can I be more faithful? How can I mm-hmm. um, have more peace, more joy? Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, the way, and I think, you know, this is what John was talking about and kind of what you've talked about is the way to do that is really look at the person of Christ yeah. and that yeah. love that he shows us, that peace that he gives us, that mm-hmm. um, self-control that the spirit gives us. Mm-hmm. And then kind of well, thinking about it as more of a fruit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. And I think in that vein, we're, we're not growing fruit, right? The spirit is growing fruit. Um, and we're we're cooperating, participating with the work of the Spirit to uh, to see those things produce, um, and it and then it gives glory back to God um, for what He's grown in us. Because as we'd said, none of this would be natural on our own. Anyway, I hope that's helpful for our, our listeners, and we'll try to jump back in next time for the uh, the next fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor. Zell. Yeah, thank you so much, Will. Thank Appreciate you, it. everyone, for listening. <laughs>